everyone. Welcome back to This Lesbian Ship is Intense. I'm Katie. And I'm V. And we are back for the second time, unbeknownst to you, to talk to you in high demand about Warrior Nun. And this is the second time we will be doing this for you. Do you want to tell them what happened, V? Oh, my Lord. So I think that in my, this is like the only explanation I have. I think in my excitement to talk about Warrior Nun yesterday, along with my having had an alcoholic beverage, um, I think that I missed. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> v was drinking yesterday and I was hungover. So maybe that wasn't the best combination for podcasting. Yeah. So um, apparently... I did not set it up to record Katie properly, I guess. Uh, so basically, like, the audio that I have is just me talking to myself. <laughs> okay. And Katie, the reason I find this particularly hilarious is because in our original recording, at some point I said to you, I was like, oh, my God, I love this show as much as I love the bull type. And I haven't loved anything this intensely, like, since the bull type, you know, staying up till three in the morning, blah, blah, blah. And then this happens. Is this not reminiscent of what happened when we covered our first episode of The Bull Type? That is right. (laughs) I, like, the very first podcast we recorded, we didn't record properly, um, and we had to redo it. Yeah. Mm, Parallels. (laughs) We were meant to cover Warrior Nun. It's just, it was fate. Clearly. The halo, the halo (laughs) intervened. Um... And when you and when you so, tell us, you're like, you feel like that for every show. The Halo was like, I will show Katie. <laughs> I will pay her back. Maybe V will post on our Patreon her one-sided conversation um, for everyone to enjoy, which will probably be some of the things that we talk about today and will probably be some new things because we we talked about how we would do this, like if I would just jump in and talk to V's recording, but... <laughs> It just didn't feel natural. Like how we podcast is a conversation mm-hmm. and we, we usually do like outlines and stuff, but we don't script anything. And I was like, I don't think I can do that. Um, so we're giving it a take two. Yes, absolutely. And like, oh no, I have to talk about this some more. Oh, I hate I know. it. <laughs> and I mean, this is basically, you're going to get for this episode basically how v and i talk to each other about things that we like um it's not super uh, outlined like we've done because we want to cover the show in more detail like we want to go scene by scene i don't know if we're gonna do full episode by episode because it's not exactly a ship heavy show and so i don't know if that makes sense for us but we do want to dive into the lore. We want to dive into the characters some more. So we're thinking we're going to do basically a season one overview episode. And then we'll have multiple parts covering season two. Yes. So that takes a lot of preparation from us. So it will be a lot of work to do that. But we love the show. We're going to do that. But because there's such a high interest for us to talk about Warrior Nun, we were like, Let's just talk some shit about Abatris and where you're not and have a little fun with it. Yeah, I think like Katie and I were texting and I was like, do you think that we could come together kind of unpreparedly and just talk for like 20 to 30 minutes? And like we agreed. And then later on, Katie was like, I think we could probably talk for an hour. And, um, you know, my one sided recording proves that we talked for more than an hour. Yeah, we were like, okay, we'll talk for like 20 minutes. We'll ask people what they want us to talk about. That'll make us generate our conversation. It'll be good. We got such a high demand on both Twitter Mm -hmm. and Instagram that we were like, maybe we need to reevaluate. So we're going to put a pause on a league of their own. Focus on Warrior Nun for a little bit because it's impossible for us to support a show that has network backing, apparently. <laughs> so we have to do all the work as fans and we want to spread our love around. And Warrior Nun is on a shorter timetable. So that's what we're jumping into right now. But we're not going to stop a league of their own. We will f- come back and finish that. Yes. So to get us started uh, to talk about some of these questions that came through, I think 
the first thing that we can cover is how we got into watching Warrior Nun. Um, and so, like, for me, this was a show that I resisted because of the Catholicism. Um, and our friend Doc had been telling us to watch it, which Katie reminded me since 2020. Um, and I resisted. And the only reason I caved was because I don't like getting spoiled on things, even if it's like something that I'm not actively watching. And my Twitter was like a minefield. Like I could not go on without seeing Warrior Nun constantly. So I was like, well, fuck this. I need to just watch the show so they don't spoil what I could potentially watch down the line. And no regrets at all. I resisted watching this show for the religious reasons as well. Um, mostly to, like, I didn't think we would talk about it on our podcast because I I didn't think I would be good at talking about the religious themes because I, um, as a non-believer, I really blocked a lot of that out in my life. So that was kind of my hesitancy, but so many people were into it, and I started to see that there was a little bit more, like, sci-fi type stuff involved, a lot of really cool action sequences, and I was like, I'll try it. Um, And then I definitely didn't regret it at all once I started. I I think there's a lot to love about this show beyond the religious themes, and the religious themes to me... Because it feels a lot more like, um, God, I fucking forgot yesterday too. The Da Vinci Code, uh, like with Tom Hanks. Um, it feels more like that, like a more mythical world than yeah. super religious. So that appealed to me. So it works. And also, there are no fucking men. They, the men that exist, exist for us to hate them. And... Mm-hmm. That works so well for my TV appetite. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I feel like that's your brand of our podcasting. It's just like, what man will Katie hate the most? (laughs) And Father Vincent probably takes the cake, to be fucking honest. I do not trust that man. I'm very upset with him. Um, I'm like, I was starting to rewatch season one, and I'd like, there's just some moments where I'm just like, you motherfucking traitor, don't talk to them like you care. Like, I'm just like, so uh, mad. it just, it, it makes me so mad because I just, it really bothers me that he manipulated Ava mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Um, I, I give it, I give some peace of mind to myself because all of our faves were manipulated by him. But it feels particularly evil because he preyed on their trust and their belief, you know, and I don't think and maybe that's the point of his character, but I don't think we'll ever be able to trust him in the Mm -hmm. show. Well, I'm super excited to get into like a psychological analysis of him. Um, I was thinking, you know, you're talking about like the sci-fi aspect, like the more supernaturally feel that it had. And I think for me, what really kept me interested is like mystery. I really enjoy like mystery suspense, like, you know, thriller, knowing what's trying to figure out what's going to come next. And so every episode I felt like it left me wanting more. So I really enjoyed that. And, um, was just like I ended up falling in love with everybody on this show like I really did not think that I was gonna give two fucks about a show about Catholicism and nuns and shit I mean honestly the premise sounds pretty silly warrior nun um but like it, I, I don't find it silly at all now that I'm like obsessed with it I think it's fantastic right. it makes sense once you start watching it makes sense and like the dynamic female characters too Mm-hmm. Is is what really drew me in. Beyond Avatrice, like Ava, I love as a protagonist. She's my favorite character, um, which is funny because we always pick opposite favorite characters. Yes, and I'm obsessed <laughs> with Beatrice. I love her, <laughs> which is so funny because because Beatrice is really, I think, opposite of me, and I love her. Do we always tend to like people who are opposite of us? Yeah, I think we yeah. do because Ava's opposite of me as well um so i that's why we make a good podcast yeah. team i guess <laughs> um and then of course like i love shotgun mary i'm mm-hmm. we're very upset about her absence in season two i will be starting a campaign for her to come back in season three <laughs> um i know that i am very much like trying not to believe that she's actually gone you know like they say like we lost mary and i'm like uh-uh lilith came back mary's gonna come back we did I not see a it. body as until we see a body mm, and even truth so i mean 
a body what does a body mean who knows you know <laughs> <laughs> absolutely oh because i really love shotgun mary because like it, it talking about like characters i really love characters that are opposite me but i also do at times like characters that remind me of me so shotgun mary is one of those people who makes me think of me like her like you know just like some of the badass shit she does where she's just like you know, shot that man off a cliff. Like, <laughs> like some of the shit she says. It does like just me. pushing <laughs> Ava off a cliff. Like, oh yeah, I would do the same fucking shit. I'd be like, "Bitch, you're not gonna die. Let me teach you a lesson." <laughs> God, I fucking missed her. She was, she was, she was an important part of me liking season one. You know, mm-hmm. um, I do think season two was better overall than season one. But uh, Mary's absence was still felt for me. Um, but I did like the the exploration of the other characters. Mother Superior in season two. I loved her arc. I was actually really surprised how much I liked the newbies. Because you're talking about how, like, Mary's absence was felt. For me, when people are gone that I love and new characters are introduced, I can sometimes be a bit resentful. Because I'm like, I don't want Same. them. I want who I miss. But I actually really loved those additions. Um, I was like, I don't remember yes, names of this. Yes. And then there was another woman towards the very end. Was her name Dora? Dora. Yeah. Yeah. Both. So interestingly, I was told by Doc that Dora was initially Shaka Mary's stunt double. And oh. so that... They worked her into the show so she could still be a part of it. Um, oh, that's nice. So that's cool. Um, but yeah, Dora. I also liked Miguel. I guess he's not a new character technically mm-hmm. um, because he's grown up Michael. But he is a new character. We don't know him as Michael. And he was fine too. Like I did like most of the new characters, um, which was a pleasant surprise because yeah. i can also be resentful for towards <laughs> new characters um and i love lilith too and i i think she's just a very interesting character mm-hmm. i'm i i want a little bit more from her than we got in season two like of her journey but i still feel like there's tons of potential there for a new season um so yeah i just I, I like the whole crew of this show, which is important for me and truly liking it. Like, it goes beyond the ship for Warrior Nun. I really care about most of these characters. Yeah, definitely. Um, I want us to start jumping into some of these questions uh, or, like, not even questions, just, like, things that people wanted us to talk about. And I think that I want us to start out with, like, the biggest thing that people want us to talk about, which is that kiss. Um. <laughs> okay. <laughs> This is, I'm going to make a bold statement. Ooh. <laughs> this is one of my favorite ship kisses out of all of my ships ever. One of, maybe, it's in my top. It's in my yeah. top for sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm hesitant because I think that I may agree with you. Like, I've not sat and thought about it too much, but there's a lot to love about this kiss. I don't. I don't say this lightly because I could probably name a first kiss. I only can think of two ships off the top Mm -hmm. of my head whose first kiss stands out so boldly to me. Yeah. Kadena, number one, obviously. Uh Yes. Um, Yes. (laughs) And number two is actually a straight ship that I fucking loved, which was Chuck and Sarah on the show Chuck. And... It's interesting because this kiss is reminiscent of that and oh. that it's it's stemmed from desperation and time running out. Mm-hmm. But it's different because I feel like they did this kiss different. Like, even though it falls within that trope of, like, kiss the girl before the hero dies type yeah. of thing, it still was so soft. <laughs> like, it, yeah, was it wasn't so... It was so romantic and, like, based on, like, feelings, Mm -hmm. not, like, it doesn't come across as desperate, even though it is desperate. I don't know how to explain it, but the pace of it was so good. Yeah, I just saw a tweet with a gif of it, and it was like, how did Alba convey? And it, like, lists everything that she's conveying in that kiss. And I'm like, it is. It's so much in, like, in the look, in the tilt of the head, in the, like, the movement of the lips. Like, there's just so many feelings that you're feeling in this moment. 
And I think that they like they kept me there emotionally so appropriately um, as a viewer where I was like stunned that I'm finally getting this kiss because I was waiting for this kiss. Like every episode it felt like they had an opportunity to kiss. And this was like the moment where we finally get it in this like intense moment where I know that Ava's about to go and sacrifice herself. But then it's not just like that excitement of, oh, my God, they're finally kissing. It's that like I don't even know how to describe like that heart feeling, you know, like that like heart wrenching, but like beautiful feeling that you get watching that. And you just get you they they slowly suck you in like this was planned, interestingly, by Ava, which is so thoughtful. Like, she was so thoughtful about her goodbye to be, you know, she planned to go to a separate space. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> B, I think, threw a wrench in her plan by bringing Yasmin along, but Ava was like, we, we got to go with it. We only have so much time, I guess. Um, <laughs> Lisa's not in front of Mother Superior. <laughs> <laughs> and so she, like, pulls her aside and gives her the speech where, like, you know the student has has become the master essentially like this is who i'm supposed to be this is what i'm supposed to do you're the one who taught me that and i feel like i'm doing what i'm supposed to be doing but you know i'm so grateful to you i love you etc cetera, etc cetera. and it was just a beautiful kind of moment between mm-hmm. the two of them as ava kind of makes peace with herself and in be like clings to Mm -hmm. Ava and tries desperately to hold on to her um and so you have those two wills battling against each other in the scene also which leads into the choreography of the kiss I love a choreographed kiss where they (laughs) had the the little combat before like where B tries to put the crown on Ava and she like disarms her and kisses her like yes it was it was beautiful because I because like Beatrice is just so talented and skillful in like the way she moves and attacks and like you know like she's disarmed by Ava but like you know like I think B could have taken her if she wanted to type of thing like there's just something beautiful in the way like that disarming happened and then like it leans into a kiss um the shot too as we we go around them like from mm, the kiss, rotation as we see like yeah the rotation as like Ava's like fully in and then B is just like shocked and slowly mm-hmm. starts to kiss her back. Yeah. Um, ugh, it's so good. And then, and then, you know, they're just like holding each other. And then that like last forehead kiss mm-hmm. before she phases through the floor. Oh my God. Like, how did I forget the forehead kiss? Because <laughs> that's my favorite. The forehead kisses are so intimate in a much more emotional way than like like a mouth kiss I don't know it just it meant a lot to me it's like a it's like a soulful thing like I don't it sounds weird to say because it's hard (laughs) to explain like how it comes across but it's like it's defining a moment it's not about the kiss you know it's Mm -hmm. about the like connection and like holding on to that last bit of connection and like um, admiration and appreciation for B and what she's done for her and the life she's given her, I think. So I just, I loved everything about the kids. I have zero complaints. The song choice, incredible. Yeah, the song choice. Yes, that song, I fucking love. It makes me so emotional. I've listened to it many times. I'm getting very emotional thinking about Beatrice's state of mind. There's like a lyric in there where I'm pretty sure it says like, it's essentially asking like, am I worthy of her love? And I'm just like, you are Beatrice. You are. Like I'm just like screaming as I listen to this song. I also kind of feel like Ava would think the same way. You know what I mean? Mm. And that's why I think... There, I feel like their love was so pure for just who the other person was. That's why they didn't kiss up until this point, you know? Like, 
they were they were like kind of selfless of for their feelings and were only thinking about the other person um and so it took someone literally sacrificing themselves to make them fully go for it you know what i mean yeah it's like okay i literally don't have any more time so we're gonna do this because we're not gonna (laughs) not get a kiss So I'm so very grateful that we got this one kiss. It's an amazing fucking kiss. And I watched um, some kind of like interview, I think, with Christina, who plays Beatrice. And they were talking. And it sounds as if, though, they had briefly considered a second kiss, which. What? Yeah, which um, I'm assuming would be when they said like the I love yous. Um, But basically what Christina said was that they ultimately decided not to. And I don't know if this is her personal opinion or like kind of like everyone's opinion, which I agree with, is that the emotional weight of that first kiss was so significant and intense that if there were a second kiss, it would be so similar to that emotional place and almost like lessen the significance and so rather than have two kisses in that se- in this season that we're gonna wait you know for a season three and we'll get you know a reunion kiss which will be a complimentary opposite type of emotional space to be and I for one am very very fucking excited about that prospect yeah I think that's so in- I love hearing about this part of making TV you know um, and how intentional it can be sometimes and I agree like I, I'm not going to say no to kisses. I love kisses. Like, I get it. Okay. I get it, people. We want to see our faves kissing as much as we can get it. And this isn't a show where, like, the couple has been together for 15 years and we don't see a single kiss on TV. Okay. That is a different circumstance. But when it, like, a show and creators and actors are being very intentional about how a ship is interacting with the other through intimacy in any form i'm i'm really gonna go on that journey with them and trust like their process and their storytelling because it's gotten me this far you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and i really agree like what did we need what did we need from an from a kiss at the a love you scene other than that we wanted it you know in a thematic way we didn't need it and we're not questioning the love between them. <laughs> like we are, we're there with them in that I love you scene. And sometimes like words are enough, like body language is enough, eye contact's enough. And it was for me in the I love you scene. And I love the idea of having like complimentary emotional beats on when we're seeing them kiss. And it, it makes it actually a slow burn. To be honest, like I would debate the idea that Avatrice is a slow burn at this point, because in a larger understanding of television, I don't think you can call a second season kiss a slow burn. Um, It seems to me more just like organic storytelling. Um, But in the lesbian media world where our shows continually get canceled after one season, it does feel like a slow burn. I don't know. That's kind of my complicated feelings on that. I think that, okay, these are two parts. One is I kind of feel frustratingly that a woman, like a sapphic ship has to be subtle in a season one so that we get a season two. Because I feel like the shows that have like outright sapphics from season one don't fucking get renewed for a season two, which is fucking infuriating. And so I know I one of the people had commented that this felt like or that um, that the creators had this plan from the beginning. And I personally can believe that based upon season one interactions um, leading up into season two. So I do feel if, with that intentionality and the little bits that we get along the way, I would call this a slow burn. I wouldn't say it's the I wouldn't say it's like what I consider a typical slow burn where like it's a lot more obvious on screen um but I think it's a subtle slow burn and I'm into it I like it I like it it it, I like I said I get why people call it that because it's a it's not throwing everything at you in the beginning it's just it's a progression through each Mm -hmm. episode I love that and I love getting told a story like that and it feels really special and there's so much left by how they 
ended season two, I feel like there's so much room to explore them to continue kind of the slower burn for them throughout the story. And these type of romances work so well in the fantasy genre because the fantasy itself is the driving force in this genre the mission of the chosen one is always going to be the the biggest stakes in a show like this and so a slow progression progressing romance that enhances the hero's journey is like a perfect blanket i guess for the show to make it feel like warm and cozy and like you really are there behind the protagonist and so i feel like it fit their relationship fits perfectly within the plot of the show as well yeah um yeah and i'm excited because i think sometimes i get nervous whenever a relationship actually happens because then i feel like people can like i feel like writers sometimes can get like a little bit weird or try and create angst where it doesn't need to be created because like they don't know what to do with a couple when they're established and i think that by having this like bigger story that's happening in this world um because i wouldn't say that this is a sapphic show it's a show with a sapphic couple um I'm less scared about what's going to happen come season three. I think that sometimes I just have some anxieties about where they're going to go with couples. (laughs) I agree. Like, I'm trying to get to this point because I don't even know how much you can trust TV at all. Um, That if I love something, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. And if it's if they screw me over, I'll just have to keep dealing with it and be better. But I'm <laughs> going to give them a shot to do right by what they've shown me. And everything that the show's done, I've been down for the fucking ride. So I would believe that they would do the same thing in a season three. You know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. Um, and let's talk, since we talked about the kiss, let's talk about like some of these moments of Ava Triss's journey building up to the kiss. Yeah, why don't we I start do you have let's one? start with our mutual favorite moment. I was like, is it the coming out scene? Oh, are we going back to the beginning? Are we gonna do like chronological? Oh, are we doing the dance scene? I was like, I don't know. I was like, what is our mutual favorite moment? I was gonna do the almost I was gonna go <gasps> the, the other almost way. kiss. Yes. <laughs> Yes. How could I forget? <laughs> but also, this is really funny because we talked about um, how we recorded this previously. And so the fact that you listed three other things as my favorite thing, I was like, okay, well, we have a lot of favorites, don't we? Because I'm like, you're trying to remember, like, what did we talk about last time? What's the <laughs> order of things? <laughs> but yes, no, yeah, exactly. Our favorite moment is that almost fucking kiss. Oh. Oh, <laughs> like, oh, my God, it was so well done. Like when Ava is practicing first off. It's interesting that that moment happens so instantly, right? Because there's no buildup of danger. Ava just suddenly loses power of the halo when she falls trying to push put the crown on and it's like a shocking moment that causes Beatrice to reveal herself, I think. Oh, which is yes, why the re- which is why the reward for the audience of this almost kiss and the reaction from Ava, I think, feels so wild <laughs> because there's no build up to it. But it all makes sense when you really think about how it happened. So this is like reminding me, like we had t- discussed previously that like for me. I'm just in awe of, like, Alba's ability to convey so many um, affectionate feelings. She went to... (laughs) Alba went to the gay school of face acting, okay? (laughs) She knows how to portray that gay longing in the face. I don't know what else to tell you. In a different way. In Mm -hmm. a different way than she even looked at JC in the first season, you know? like Oh, yeah. Oh. You feel the difference of emotion. 
And so in this particular moment, like, you know, like she conks her head. Beatrice is holding her. just like, oh, no. And then like Ava starts coming back. Um, And so then like she looks at Beatrice and then like leans in just slightly tilted. And like she essentially breathes her in and looks at her in this way. Like you it's palpable the feeling of like intimacy in that moment and like care you know what that i think now that is the moment when ava knew she would be able to sacrifice herself because if you go in back to season one right when she's working through phasing through the wall and she talks about what her deepest fear is it's of being alone with nobody to care for her and at that moment B thinks she's dead and she's like cradling her in her arms, you know? And I feel like at that point she realizes that in the end she's gotten everything that she wanted, you know? And that's why she's willing to sacrifice herself. So I feel like that's also why we get rewarded with that almost kiss there. Yeah. Ooh, I got a lot to say about the progression for Ava and the willingness to sacrifice herself when we get into the actual um, season two and, you know, season one, two, season one as well. <laughs> no, <laughs> season um, 12 is what you meant. <laughs> I just like, I can't stand when I say things wrong. Um, yeah, so it's just, it was so fucking great. It was just, it was really so emotional I, I love whenever things are conveyed in a way where like I feel what's being conveyed yes. you know? like when you do it that well and even like with her like it seems like inhaling bees scent. like I think that's so poignant if you think about Ava as a character who was quadriplegic and could not sense with her whole body like wanting to use all of her senses in that moment to be connected to Beatrice um and the way she just like curls into her, it's just it feel I feel it so funny <laughs> about it. Like that's how good of acting that scene was. So do we want to talk about the dancing since we're talking about her uh, gay her, her, her ability to her um... gay face acting? <laughs> yes. <laughs> fucking gay long game. <laughs> the dance scene was one of my favorites and it's in like the first episode yeah. i knew to expect something of this dancing from the timeline like because people were raving about the dancing but like i was not prepared like i just thought we would have them dancing together like i did not think there would be this like poignant moment in the middle of it look i started season two after that fight in season one like like back to back like i'm watching yeah, back to back yeah. we binged then, it we did not we binged all through the season so they kind of blurred together yes even. yes and so like when i started season two i was like where the fuck are we what the fuck is happening like you're in a bar like i was just like what happened with adriel like i was so like trying to wrap my head around like how we went from the intensity of season one to what felt like a lot of levity in season two and it was fun i loved it um but i was just like so kind of like what the fuck it's a quick tone shift it's a quick tone shift yeah so i was i was not prepared because i was avoiding spoilers on my timeline i did not get spoiled at all um other than the fact that the ship name was avatris um and so like when they go to go dance i was actually like i was actually scared for a minute that their first kiss was going to be drunken and i was like no 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 don't do that to me <laughs> and instead i just got to see ava in love with beatrice and beatrice let letting loose <laughs> Uh, and I feel like there's something there about, like, Ava seeing Beatrice, like, for who she is as a whole person outside of Sister Warrior. And, like, the moment we as an audience, like, really understand these feelings are mutual. And Ava is likes Beatrice back is, like, a moment of her seeing be be free you know what i mean and so i think that's really beautiful but also can we talk about for a second like wouldn't it have been incredible if we got some ava narration at that, at that part 
Yes. Oh my god. I was rewatching season one where um she's uh JC's like setting up the, the shower for her and she's just like staring at his arms and like yes. she's narrating and I like so then I was watching like that scene and I was just like the way that uh, Beatrice like moves her hand and like to flick her hair and Ava's like watching and I'm just like, bitch, you know that you're just like, Oh my god, fuck shit, hot. Like <laughs> just dying. <laughs> like we are missing out. Honestly, like, this is one of the most conflicted things I've ever felt because I did not like the narration as part of the show, but I would have loved to get some gay narration from Ava. You know what? The gay narration was all on her fucking face. <laughs> exactly. That's why we got that moment. They said, we're not going to do the narration, but you deserve this at least. <laughs> Dude, I fucking love everything that Beatrice fucking wears. I'm just like, I I just, I'm like thinking about her outfit as she's dancing. I'm just like, I love your attire. I just love the way you look, Beatrice. <laughs> I, like, I mean, I do. I do love the way she looks too. Um, and then like pretty soon after that, we get the, the duel back and forth, the jealousy, jealousy between yeah. the two of them. Uh-huh. And it's very interesting because B's jealousy kind of makes sense because Miguel is clearly interested in Ava. I don't think Ava shows any signs of reciprocating, but I feel like Miguel would shoot his shot if given the moment, you know? So you could kind of get why B feels jealous, right? Because there's something there. Also, because Ava's just like, you know, she's just so bouncy and fun and talkative and jokey and all those things that Beatrice is not. Like, I think it's really easy to see someone else engaging with other people in that way and make an assumption that there could be romantic undertones. I think especially when you see a guy-girl dynamic where, like, I feel like so much in heterosexuality, I hear people talking about, like, guys and girls can't just be friends, you know? So, like, Beatrice's, like, jealousy makes a lot of sense. And then the show and i understand her i get like i'm like i would be jealous too you know (laughs) like um and then we have ava right and they purposely have another woman Mm -hmm. come up and flirt with b and the fact that she this woman i think it's choreographed as if she knows that b is hopelessly in love with ava and is like trying to help make ava jealous like i really feel like that's what that was about um well yeah i mean she sees beatrice just staring at ava and like <laughs> longingly <laughs> in her quiet longing way and then we just have ava like looking on with disgust like she is <laughs> disgusted by it she just was like, these motherfuckers, take your fucking drinks, get out of my face. I need to stare and see what the hell is happening over there. And then the fact that when Miguel shows up, she uses the opportunity to bring Beatrice with her instead of like make her jealous in return. She's like, no, I need to I need to remedy this situation now. Yeah, because when I watched that, I was just like, oh, you know what? Ava's going to be a petty bitch and be like, oh, okay, you can talk to that girl. I can leave with Miguel. Be jealous. But no, 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 no. Like, the degree of discomfort that she felt in her jealousy (laughs) was like, I cannot leave you alone with this woman. Excuse you, Beatrice. I am leaving. We are going. Come with me. (laughs) Oh, I loved it so much. Um. But I also, one of the things that was frustrated with Shotgun's Mary's absence was that I felt like some of these moments were meant to be with her, right? And, like, reflective of her relationship with Shannon. And that is part of why I feel like I do believe the show when they says that there was, like, they were intentionally planning on going there with Ava and Beatrice because there's a lot of background on the warrior nun being gay like <laughs> oh yeah i think like i think we, season one episode one me watching um mary and uh shannon saying their goodbyes i was like y'all lovers are you the gays because that's not avatrice <laughs> like, <laughs> that is gay okay <laughs> i just saw in season one too like one of the photos on shannon's like um bedside table is just of her and mary hugging and i'm like y'all were gay <laughs> you all were lovers <laughs> 
Yes, very clearly. And then because of that, I feel like there was some subtlety between B and Chuck and Mary in the first season and their dynamics when I was doing a little rewatching. Oh. Um so I just feel like it was very intentional. And like that moment where Camilla talks to B and talks about like loving the warrior now, like I really feel like that was meant to be Shaka Mary. Oh yes, that would have made so much sense if that was Mary. Okay. I oh, that makes me really sad. Cause I'm thinking about like Camilla saying it. I'm just like, I guess I read it as like you're not the first one to fall in love with them. <laughs> you won't be the last. <laughs> and I also feel like Shotgun Mary's storyline was really meant to intertwine with Lilith's more. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, and I think that would have maybe liked Lilith's storyline more. Um, so, you know, that's those are the that's kind of the the downside. But one of the other things, the fight scenes in season two were fucking incredible like this is why i don't understand netflix doing shit all for this show because the directing is good the cinematography the cinematography is good the action sequences and the cgi like all of that stuff needed for a fantasy show i don't know what the budget is for this show but it looks great on screen so like you're spending that money, put money into the show, you know? Maybe the the like fight. Lesbians will do it. They need to stop relying on us. We don't get paid for this shit. We're going to have to join the Sapphic Shipping Union or something to fight for our fucking rights. Oh my God. I would love it if we had a fucking union. <laughs> union to take down fucking Netflix for canceling our shit. Like, I just. I don't even know. It's hard for me to even pick what my favorite fight scene is from season two. Do you want me to start with mine? Yep. (laughs) So my favorite is um, when Lilith (laughs) kills all of those fucking guards when Vincent tricks her. Oh, (laughs) yes. That scene, I... I, that scene is one of the reasons, no matter how bad she got, I couldn't give up on Lilith. Oh, interesting. Okay. All right. Um, I don't know that it, how it contributes to my feelings about Lilith overall. Um, I just know in that moment, I just felt so much like passion. Um, oh, my God. Like, I can't even remember, like, the emotional state anymore because um, it's been too long since I've seen season one. But I just – I remember, like – feeling like she was strong she was angry she was like fuck you i'll show you um and i love that in a woman and so the way she just took down all those men with like ease um it just was powerful and beautiful and that's exactly what it was like it was because of the acting alongside of the stunts that really made me love it because you feel what she her feelings about losing shotgun Mary and like what she as a person has been through all culminating in that moment. And it feels so real to me. And I feel like that's why that scene stuck with me so much for Lilith. I couldn't give up on her no matter where she went on her journey with Adriel because I saw that that like true heart of who she was. You know what I mean? Did you see that tweet that said, do you ever think about if Shock and Mary was in season two, she would have uh, helped Lilith off the brink of her villain story? <laughs> oh, my God. You're going to make me want to cry right now thinking about Fuck that. Me up. <laughs> that really fucked me up just now. Because I think about that. Oh. You're welcome. Well. To make myself feel better about that, I'm going to talk about one of my favorite fight sequences, which, like, I'll talk about two. Like, from an action standpoint, I loved the fight scene where Beatrice works her way up to Miguel and Ava, and it's, like, this continuous shot of their fight fighting together. Like, I thought that was visually just fucking cool, and I enjoyed it. But, like, from like a character standpoint, I think my favorite was when Beatrice fights all of the guards mm, uh, yeah. going to find Ava after she's like kissed her and Yasmin is there. And I just loved 
the absolute badassery that Beatrice faced um, by just like <laughs> feeling like barely lifting a finger, like destroying these men. <laughs> if that meant what it was, that's what it was going to take to get to Ava in that moment. You know Look, what I mean? The best part is that she's not cocky. She just knows her strength and abilities because she's like, walk away and I will show you mercy. Stay and you will not walk again. And she gives them a second and they're stupid and they get what's coming to them because nothing's standing in her way from getting to Ava. And that goes back to like, <laughs> this is the response. Oh my God. This is the response to like, see the the almost kiss where I said like Ava knew she could sacrifice herself because of what B taught her. And when they had their moments with the brick wall phasing and they, they shared their deepest fears, Beatrice said, you will never leave Ava. <laughs> and this <laughs> is, and this is B's moment of like, not leaving her and not letting her go and they both kept like their promises to oh my god i just can't I like, take all right it. i guess we're even now we both made each other cry <laughs> oh and so like there's that whole part of it and then i just loved the bit with yasmin thrown in there and showing how there are different levels of fighting and skills and like being there for your sisters and like standing up for what you believe in and whatever you can contribute matters and just showcasing Yasmin's smarts and bravery and commitment to the sisters. Yeah. In contrast with Ava's like methodical commitment. It's like uh, that just really landed a punch for me. Oh, I liked, I liked um, her finding her strength to protect herself protect you know everyone else by dealing with this guy and um Beatrice coming back and just kind of essentially being like you did good take a break um because that's like probably like so fucking emotionally physically taxing for Yasmin to have had to I mean kill this man smartly um yeah yeah she had to kill a man and you see her wrestling with that and she just got beat up too That would be me, okay? I would be, I would, st- I would try to stand up for somebody, but they take me down so quick. I don't know how to fucking fight. I'd be the fucking Lilith. Like, I would not be trained and and like capable like Beatrice. I'd be like, cry with passion, I will get you. <laughs> like Lilith. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But I want to jump back to the other um, fight scene that you mentioned, the one where Beatrice goes into the little baptism church shit. And because um, yeah. I want to talk about when they're all together and Ava like goes boom with the halo and how. Um, oh, you my know, God. The halo powers. Yeah. And how Miguel goes flying. But Ava, but Beatrice um, like is is protected like she doesn't go boom. And, like, I want to go rewatch every single time that Ava has that big emotional reaction around Beatrice. Because I want to see if Beatrice is essentially always protected. Or if, like, there's this shift for when Ava starts to fall for her that she becomes protected in that. I just, I'm, I need, I need, I need some uh, data for my hypotheses. I feel like no matter whether, first of all, it's fucking hilarious to watch Miguel, like, fly across the room. <laughs> it's it's vindicating for me because i'm like still jealous i'm like bitch get off of her <laughs> even though it's like, exactly. not romantic at all. it's like it's that moment of the show telling you telling us like this is what's happening don't get it twisted <laughs> um but i really do feel like regardless ava's connection to beatrice is ingrained in the halo because the first time we see her really use it is in season one when she comes back for the first time and they're down in the warrior nuns section and Mm -hmm. Beatrice is almost shot. Right. And she, she uses it with like pure emotion to save Beatrice. And we, we learn also in season one that the everlasting and unlike chainable power of the halo comes from the warrior nun soul. Mm -hmm. And for me, it just feels like, her connection to Beatrice is like deep down, you know, it's in the soul. And no matter what, the halo, because of that, is always going to protect Beatrice. I, 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 I'm there. 
I buy it. Yes. <laughs> Truth. Facts. <laughs> Preach it. And uh, <laughs> see, we, we're we in gay church right now, okay? <laughs> we, 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 we might not be talking about Bible verses and biblical meanings, but we're in gay church, okay? <laughs> this is my favorite kind of church. Oh, lordy. <laughs> so, and, um... And I want to just say, uh-huh. because of every point we've just discussed, mm-hmm. this show is not crumbs. And I don't know why I've been seeing that anywhere. Mm-hmm. I don't know who's saying it because I'm not actually reading it. I'm just seeing <laughs> the responses. But that is false information, and we need to stop that right now. Um, all of this plus all that we're going to talk about when we delve into season one and two will really highlight why this relationship is romantic and that the amount of kisses does not equate to romance, nor does it equate to, you know, and, the, the, the... And it's some bullshit. No straight ship is held to this standard. If we go back to the youth adult fiction of my time Harry mm-hmm. Potter okay I'm just gonna use this example even though JK Rowling sucks balls and we hate her now uh what's his name Ron yeah. and Hermione did not get together until the final book and not even the final book the final pages of the book <laughs> like the very end of the book of a thousand page books okay like this is a long thing and no one ever once questioned whether there was meant to be a romance between Mm -hmm. them yeah you know what i mean Mm -hmm. kisses do not equivalent to a good romantic story and people need to get that out of their fucking heads yeah do we want that do we like that absolutely but we want it done in a well-told story and i feel like this show absolutely does it well i look forward to what is to come um yeah so we'll definitely get into that more i think it's hilarious that you don't know who said that because my petty ass was like i need to go fucking find you because you are wrong and i need to know who i don't like um (laughs) so we um just ranted and raved for an hour about avatrice and warrior nun and had the time of my life like i was not having a great day and i'm in a fantastic mood now i was gonna say i don't think it was a great day when you um get a text from me like what time like five six i don't know it was just like major emergency so all of your audio doesn't exist and then you had to work And, like, the holidays are coming up. Like, we're trying to do a special episode and squeeze this in to begin with. Um, And and she's saying, like, five or six in the morning also. Yeah, I'm an early-ass riser. I know. I'm always texting you at, like, weird-ass hours. And I'm like, okay, you'll see it when she wakes up at normal human hours. (laughs) Exactly. And I woke up to that. So that started my day. Um, But it worked out because I'm feeling great now. Yay! Yeah, I get to make your day better. And um, for those of you interested who uh, are on our Patreon or if you want to go and join Patreon, I will be listening back to myself talking alone and I'll be editing out like the silences from Katie so that it's not just weird. Well, that I reduce how weird it is. But I do think that there could be some entertainment in listening to the original conversation. So I'm going to upload it if y'all like to listen. So if you want to keep talking with us about Warrior Nun, we will be releasing more episodes and engaging with the show. But you can also talk to us on Twitter at this lesbian shit, on Instagram at this lesbian ship, or Patreon at this lesbian ship. And please download our episodes, rate, review, subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And we'll see you next time. Bye, guys. Bye. This lesbian ship is intense, is a part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts.